family, Life Spring Bible Church, and those of you listening throughout the world, grab your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, this is the primary passage of Scripture that we're going to read today. And um, we're going to give you five points in this sermon today from this passage of Scripture after we do our introduction. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. I've got to read this to you, and then God's going to help us look at this passage of Scripture and how it works today in this COVID virus uh, situation that we're facing. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Father, I want to thank you once again for your word. I thank you that your word is power. It is love. And Lord, by the power of your spirit, I pray that you would manifest your word in our lives today. Open us up. Pour your word into us. I want to thank you that already prayer has gone up this week about the soil of our hearts. And I know that your spirit's been preparing us for this word. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name for the seed that will be planted today. And may we be faithful to water the word, the seed, with the power of prayer. And watch over it. And thank you for your help with it that a mighty harvest of your word will come forth in our lives. And everybody said, Amen. Strangely enough, we have titled this message, Battling Unbelief. Say, brother, I haven't heard you say anything so far that made me think of unbelief, really, but, but there's some important points here. You know, we were not built by God to live our lives like an island, alone and on our own. Amen? That's what, one of the things that makes the time we're living in very difficult. Yet, with the threat of COVID virus continuing, we all are spending less time with our brothers and sisters, aren't we? Less time with our brothers and sisters, our spiritual family, while concentrating on safety measures that help prevent the spread of illness, as this will be necessary for a while, right? The truth is, one of the reasons why this period in our lives has been so difficult is because we haven't been able to be together whenever we want. And you know, this is a tight family here, isn't it? This church is built on the principle of family. Amen? So it's important that we take advantage of creative ways of staying connected. It's important that we take advantage of creative ways of staying connected. Whether it be done by phone. Whether it be done by internet. Whether it be done with Zoom. I have yet to conquer that beast. I do not, I have not successfully done anything with Zoom except get a little bit frustrated, all right? And, and, and as we said, telephone, whatever it takes. If someone that you have been used to having fellowship with in the past comes to your heart and mind, never dismiss it. Never think that it was happenstance. It's the Holy Spirit bringing them to your heart and mind. Pick up a phone, hunt them down. Check on them, talk to them, tell them you love them, and stay connected. That's what the Holy Ghost said that person's name to you for. You know, not all of the thoughts we have in our heart and mind are just crazy thoughts we think of ourselves, especially if it's a real smart thought. I know right away the Holy Ghost is talking to me, 
You know, I, I mean, it brings a smile to my face, you know. I, I don't claim to be a highly intelligent man with a great big huge giant IQ. Hang out with me long enough, you'll know. And if you hang out with me long enough, you'll know I make mistakes. I don't always get it right. But I'm telling you, we know when the Holy Spirit, this intelligent being that loves us, that is our teacher, that is our comforter, rises up on the inside and says something important to us, let's recognize it. And let's follow that leading, amen? Now, I survive, and, and I really don't just survive, I survive and thrive. I'll tell you that I thrive for the most part in this ministry because God has surrounded me with people who pray for me and exhort me and they, and they exhort me to press on in the fight of faith. Now, I know that it's humbling the way you care for Ruth and me and the way you love us and you encourage us to press on in faith and we try in turn to do the same for you. That's what family, that's what this family is about. Amen? All right. So now, the Bible teaches that surviving and, and thriving in a life of faith and love depends in part. Think about this with me now. It depends in part on Christians intentionally building each other up in faith and stirring each other up to love. You know, I love to make those kinds of statements and people think sometimes, well, that sounds pretty eloquent. You know, where you get that from? Well, we got it from the Word of God. I'm going to take you right to it. Just hold on a minute longer. Now, you may be wondering what all this has to do with battling unbelief. But I've been recently reminded in the Bible that not only are we to depend on God for our refuge, but he has also provided to us each other to build one another up in our battle against unbelief. Why is it important? Without intentional faith building togetherness, one, we can lose our zeal. Now, now you say that's a simple statement. Think about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about those that you know have fallen away because they have not been connected in the way that they were used to being connected, right? We can lose our zeal. We can drift from God. We can become hardened in the deceitfulness of sin. We'll say, brother, you're talking Bible. That's right, I'm talking Bible. Without intentional faith building togetherness, we can lose our zeal, we can drift from God, and we can become hardened in the deceitfulness of sin. If someone doesn't snatch us, we can make shipwreck of our so-called faith and perish in unbelief. Perish in unbelief. See, some people will make the mistake that I'm using the word unbelief because, well, if I stay home, pastor's going to think I'm walking in unbelief. And have I said anything even remotely like that? So you tell the devil, if you hear those words somewhere in here, you reject it because that's not what I said. It's not what I believe. It's not what I live by. Amen? I'm talking about the kind of unbelief that can rise up in a person and rob them of their relationship with God. And we cannot let each other fall into that trap. No matter what we have to do. Amen? You look around this room. I, I've got pictures. I looked at the other day of our last celebration Sunday, and they're just good-looking pictures. I mean, there was a, a, a bunch of people in here, and there was a big old, uh, uh, we had food. We celebrated, right? If we have food now, we limit the number of people we have in the room. Isn't that amazing? 
But there are so many other things we're doing that in some ways this church has become stronger. Stronger because we have, we've refused to let the devil rob us, amen, of our connectivity. Amen. All right, watch this with me. Now, uh, I said if someone doesn't snatch us, we make shipwreck of our so-called faith and perish in unbelief because James chapter 5, either make a note of that or get these notes. I give all these notes away, right? I make them available. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 says, my brothers, notice he says, my brothers, not you sinners, you unsaved, you lost, you decrepit. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's the word of God. Amen. Jude chapter 23 says, save others by snatching them. We're going to have a snatching ministry, amen? Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. We should hate the garment stained by the flesh for how it affects our loved ones and our brothers and our sisters, amen? And we come against it in prayer. So that's what we want to look at today. Have I made that clear? It's what we want to look at today. Understand the importance of this truth. Think about this now. All the promises of God were purchased for believers by an act that happened in the past, namely by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, I'm going to try to tell you this in my own words. That's like saying that the, and it's a powerful thing. You know, people in the Old Testament got saved by looking forward to what Jesus would do for them. How did we get saved? We got saved by looking back on it. But that doesn't mean that I do this. Turn around and stare at it. And you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that I get locked into looking at the past so that I am ineffective and that I get nothing done for God. I mean, that's a lot of gratitude for what Jesus did for us, but... Jesus does not want us to be non-producers. Amen? He doesn't want us to remain immature. He does not want us to remain ineffective and unproductive. Amen? So, oh, wow. So, what I wrote was, but God glorifying belief. How many of you want to know how to, how to live that? God glorifying belief. Because, hey, that's right, sister. It's the opposite of unbelief is belief. Amen? But, but why do we need God-glorifying belief in our lives? Think about this. I asked a group of people in a room one day. I said, what do you think is the number one sin that people are going to go to hell over? And, you know, you, you know, you have all kinds of answers. And people sometimes will, you know, focus on the worst thing they ever did. And they're, they're concerned about it. I understand that. But there is one sin that stands out above them all because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, Overcomes a lot of things, but let me tell you something. The dangerous one and the one that will be the reason that most of the people end up in hell is going to be the sin of unbelief. I don't believe. Do you hear what I'm saying? The sin of unbelief. That's why we cannot run the risk of allowing it to get the grip on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? 
But God glorifying belief doesn't merely share or stare at those acts. It stands on them. Amen. And then looks forward to all the promises Jesus brought for us and banks its hope on the promises and moves out in a life of faith. Faith. It's a heartfelt hope in the promises of God. Nathan, I, I wrote a statement. Is it next one up? I want you to post it. The root of all love and goodness is belief in the promises of God. Why? Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. We just finished a big study on Galatians, right? And in that, in that fight that Paul was in for the lives of the Galatian church was don't let these people come from Jerusalem and convince you now, you Gentile Christians, that you need to keep the old Jewish law to get to heaven. So what did he say? He said, for in Christ, in Galatians 5, 6, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only, say that word to me, but only, but only faith working through love. If you do not love your brothers and sisters, don't bother wasting your time trying to call them or trying to reach out to them or trying to let them know they're loved or that they're cared for. If you don't care, don't do nothing, as we say where I'm from. Just don't do nothing. My wife's a school teacher. She will get me for that one later. Don't do anything. All right? Okay, watch this with me now. Because the root of all love and goodness is belief in the promises of God. I've already said it, but it bared repeating. And then we can see the flip side of this truth, that unbelief then is the root of all sin. Why does a person commit adultery? Or, you know, you, there's all kinds of things that you can list. Why do people do all those things? Because they don't believe that there's a God to answer to. Amen? I mean, they don't believe there's going to be any, any responsibility they're going to be held for for their sin. To an extent. You know, to an extent. Now, listen to me carefully. And that could probably take a point of clarification that could take the rest of the day. How many of you know that there are things that people face in their life they just got to have the help of the Holy Ghost to get over? But you still have to let the Holy Ghost do his work. Amen? Now, that's all the clarification I think we need for that. All right, and then we can see the flip side of this truth that unbelief is the root of all sin. And at the end of his life, Paul looks back. This is Paul. Do we not love Paul? Are we not appreciative of the fact that God used him to give us two-thirds of the New Testament? Right? We do, right? But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he stated clearly at the end of his life, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, you look at the original rendering of that word, and it was a fight from day one until the last day of his life. Does that make sense? All right. Another, another uh, blanket statement I wrote here that Nathan can put on the board. The role of other believers in your fight of faith is paramount. One of the ways that Paul had fought was that he surrounded himself with believers who would pray for him and exhort him. 
I mean, that, it's powerful. There was Barnabas and Silas and Timothy and Luke and Aristarchus and Mark and Epaphras and others. Amen? The one time he was forced to go somewhere by himself was to Athens, and his spirit was almost broken. You read about what happened to him at Athens, and then you know why he immediately sent for Timothy. So he wouldn't have to go through what he was going through alone. He had God in his life, amen? I mean, he had Jesus showing up and giving him the word. Those powerful things. But he still needed his brothers and sisters in Christ that loved him and prayed for him and exhorted him. I got exhorted just this last week, and I'm telling you what, it was refreshing. It was good. Was it easy? No. How many of you know that all exhortation is not easy? It, it, it isn't exhortation unless it challenges you. Amen? Yeah, that's the truth. All right. So you might get the idea that Paul's faith and the faith of other ministers was never in need of human reinforcement, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 5 and 7 says, For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. But we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of what? Who? Titus. It wasn't even the Holy Ghost. It was Titus. It was another brother. It doesn't take the place of the Holy Ghost because it was most likely, this is just my opinion, the Holy Ghost that sent Titus there. Do you understand what I'm saying? But do you understand the part we play in it? We cannot ignore that. Amen? So, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by co the coming of Titus. And it says, but God, right? And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. He's bragging on the people that sent him. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. How would Paul have known what those people had prayed for him, really, if Titus had not come and voiced the words to him. What if Titus told the Holy Ghost, I don't, don't want to go. I, I've got more things on my schedule. Paul needed the partnership of close friends who could strengthen his faith when fear was beginning to get the upper hand in his life. We don't ever think that fear ever had the upper hand in Paul's life, but how do you know that? How do you know that it wasn't through these other brothers and sisters in Christ lifting him up, encouraging him, him, being with him, was why fear didn't predominate his life? I think that's important to consider. We need that same kind of partnership with each other. Amen? So now we're back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. That was just your intro. It's early yet. We're doing good, right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. It is not the passage of Scripture being, you know, being revealed before our eyes by the Holy Ghost. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works more so, more importantly now than ever. Because we can't be together like we like to be together. The way we thrive on being together. Not neglecting to meet together. That's why you got to, you know, maybe Nathan and, and Isaac will be able to help people who have not been able to connect up with us electronically. Maybe we can help. You got to let us know. 
Let us know if you need that kind of help, all right? Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Can you not see the day drawing near? I mean, it's in the headlines. It's everywhere you look. Amen? Jesus may not come back for 2,000 years. The only one who knows is Father. Father's going to be the one that turns to his son and says, go get him. Well, let him either find us evangelizing or praying at an altar. Let us, uh, let him find us going about the Father's business. Then you don't ever have to wonder, am I going to go when he comes? Stop that. Just get ready. Just do what it takes to get ready. Amen? So watch this. So we've got five points from these uh, two passages of Scripture, and they're simple, but they're mind-blowing in their complexity. Think about this. First of all, the first point is in uh, we're commanded to meet together. We're commanded to do it. I mean, isn't that what the word said? And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to what? To meet together, right? Whatever form that has to take today. Amen? All right? We're commanded to meet together. The kind of meeting in view seems to be one that allows for some kind of mutual encouragement and stirring up of one another. Really? I mean, that, that's really it, isn't it? Isn't it? It's not talking about merely sneaking into a big church service and sneaking out again. I used to do that, by the way. I'm the only one here that's ever been guilty of that, right? I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with a great big church. Especially the great big churches that specialize in small group meetings. Because they understand the need, even in a great big church, for people to stay connected, right? It's talking about the kind of meeting where you say something to someone that will help them be more loving. And where someone can say something to you that will help you be more loving and help you have the strength to do more good deeds. You know, there's a lot of good deeds going undone right now. You know, there's a lot. What we're talking about here today is it doesn't matter whether you wear a mask or not a mask. You can pick a phone up and call somebody, right? I just wanted to check on you. You rose up in my heart and mind, and I thought, what if that's the Holy Ghost, you know? So I call you. I'm asking you, how you doing? You do that, and a whole lot of times you're going to hear why the Holy Ghost told you to call them. I like that. Put this up, Nathan, this next one. God means for us to face each other so that we can exhort and encourage each other to press on. How many times have you had to talk to somebody and just encourage them? Keep getting up in the morning. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep cracking that Bible open. Keep reading that word. Keep talking to God because he's hearing you. Well, I don't hear him say anything. Don't matter. Just keep talking. Talk to God about all this. You say, well, he already knows about it. He wants you to talk to him about it. Amen? He, the God of the universe who made all things, wants to hear my voice. You better believe he does. Amen? And every now and then, we need to hear each other tell each other that. Well, you remember? You remember what we've been taught, what we've been told. God wants to hear your voice. You know, Keep moving forward. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't let the devil win. Amen. Simple words. 
You don't have to have a doctorate in theology to do that. Amen? You know, it's an advantage when you attend a smaller church, and a small church mentality uh, must be developed and maintained even in a growing church, so that these biblical principles are not abandoned. Once you abandon those biblical principles, principles, you can create a great big, huge mechanical machine where people come to hide. And about 10% of the people in the church are doing everything. And 90% of the people in the church are hiding. All right? There is this one another principle that requires personal interaction with people at a pretty significant level. All right? Coming to worship on Sunday morning, as important as that is, is not enough. It's not enough. God means for us to face each other so that we can exhort and encourage each other to press on, even if it's over a telephone or electronically or by Zoom or whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. We only got about, we wouldn't violate any mandate today, but next week we may have to say 25 people, that's, that's it. Well, it doesn't mean that we can't stay in touch. Point number two, this avoiding the habit of not meeting. You say, well, that sounds like, was it meeting together, avoiding the habit of not meeting? I mean, that, doesn't that sound a lot alike? No. So the second point is don't get into the habit of not meeting. This is almost the same as the first point, but in verse 25 seems to give it a special kind of stress. So I want to also. It says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. The warning here is that not meeting with other Christians in this way can easily become habitual. I remember reading a study one time that said anything that you want to make a habit in your life, do it 21 days in a row and it'll stick with you for the rest of your life. What if for 21 days in a row you don't talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't talk to God, you don't go to church, you don't read your Bible? You don't keep your heart and mind stayed on him thir- 21 days, three weeks. What if you do that to yourself? Somebody needs to come and snatch you. <laughs> Amen? Isn't that what the Bible said? Somebody that loves them needs to come and snatch them. Amen? Wow. Ask yourself right now, are you in the habit of only coming to more or less anonymous, bigger meetings of the church where there doesn't have to be much personal interaction or accountability? Does that pattern of life feel comfortable now? Because it is then a habit. It's what you're comfortable with. In fact, it is so much your normal way of looking at the Christian life that what I'm saying right now may feel threatening to you. If you feel uncomfortable right this minute, you are supposed to feel uncomfortable. So, well, Brother Dennis, man, my personality is to be quiet. Anybody can talk to somebody. Just about anybody can talk to somebody. We're just talking about staying connected according to the Word of God. So that second point is don't get into this habit of not meeting in this way. And if you are in that habit now, resolve to break it. Point number three, increasing frequency and seriousness. Where'd you get that, Brother Dennis? Well, look, verse 25. It says... And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the fact Jesus could be 2,000 years old. But I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot of signs that saying it's looking pretty close. And you better not ignore it. 
We better not ignore it. I say we, not me, not you, we, all right? We better not ignore it. That's the day of Christ's coming and the end of this age. The stresses and troubles and dangers are going to increase as history comes to a close. There'll be a greater satanic activity, greater evil, greater threats to your faith and your love. Matthew 24, verses 11 and 12 are in red, right? Jesus said, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Verse 12 says, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. I could almost say amen. We can leave and go home. But we're not going to do that. <laughs> if your love is going to survive the onslaught of Satan and evil, you must meet with those who can stir you up to love and good works with whatever methods that are available to you. Amen? Woe to the person who thinks they can be a lone wolf Christian as the last day draws near. Let's make our meeting for prayer and exhortation be more frequent and more serious and more urgent as we see the gathering storm of tribulation and evil. Amen? That's some of the most powerful words you've ever heard your pastor say. Point number four, empowering to love. Said, make your meeting together with believers, a meeting specifically for the empowering to love. And I'm grateful for the fact that we dwell on that a lot at Life Spring Bible Church. Don't be unintentional when you get together. Always get together with purpose, amen? Don't just say, Christian fellowship is good, so we're going to act, or we're going to, uh, oh, wow, my computer jumped. Don't ever predetermine in yourself Wow. Hold on one second. Praise God. Okay. Don't just say Christian fellowship is good, so we're going to get together and talk. We're just going to get together and talk. Fellowship's good, isn't it important? But what we fellowship about is just as important. Amen? Talking's wonderful, but the stakes are too high these days to be that casual about our gathering. Verse 24 says, Consider one another in order to stir each other up to love and good works. That's the literal translation. So there is a clear goal. We are meeting so that we're meeting so that we can leave. Did you know that? We're meeting so that we can leave. We will have more power to love, more resources to give love, amen, more motivation to love, more wisdom to love and to do good works so that people will see our good works, as Jesus said, and give glory to our Father in heaven. So, everybody just take a deep breath here and, and listen to this, this line. Just half a dozen, seven words. According to what I just read, so that the people will see our good works, as Jesus said, and give glory to our Father in heaven. So, am I right or wrong if I say the visible glory of God is at stake? Now, you, you think about that. The visible glory of God is at stake. God doesn't just go around showing his glory all the time. He shows his glory to a lost and dying world through you, through his children. His family. Can you say amen? 
So the visible glory of God is at stake. We cannot take that lightly. Amen? So and not only is there a clear goal, there's a kind of urgent intentionality to it, right? The word consider suggests that we come on the lookout for how we can specifically help other people get the power to love. Amen? We don't just drift into a meeting thinking about all kinds of other things. We come with a mission. We come considering, on the lookout, watching, listening. What do the individuals in this church need today? I'm not the only one here to provide stuff for you. If I'm the only one here to provide stuff for you, you're going to go hungry spiritually. I can't provide the spiritual diet for everybody in this church. We're all responsible for putting stuff on the plate for each other from each other. Amen? So what do the individuals in this church need today? What would help him or her be stronger? Let's be intentional in our coming together. Aim at empowering each other to love and good works. This isn't a happenstance meeting. It's not a shotgun blast kind of room. Amen? If you're a firearms instructor, you know what I'm saying if I say it's about accuracy and precision. One day I'll explain that to you. If you're going to teach someone to shoot, you need to teach them about accuracy and precision. All right? Well, we need to get real specific like that in our spiritual life. Ask God to teach you about accuracy and precision. There's a difference. But you need both. You need both. All right? Aim at empowering each other to love and good works. And point number five, strengthening faith in the promises of God. Strengthening faith in the promises of God. The last point is in answer to the question, how do you empower another person to love and good works? Uh, so what do we say? What is the root of love? What is the root of all righteousness and truly good deeds? The answer is belief in the promises of God. So if you encourage each other to stand on that and build in your belief and your faith in the promises of God, won't we all be better off? Amen? Every home, every family represented in this room will be stronger. They will be better. Amen? Their prayer lives will become more effective. So this fifth point is make the main basic goal of every meeting to strengthen faith in the promises of God. Why? Because verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love. These two things are very closely related. Stirring each other up to love and helping each other hold on to hope in the promises of God. Love grows on the taproot of belief in the promises of God. I want to say that again. Love grows on the taproot of belief in the promises of God. How do you empower someone to love and good deeds despite all of the obstacles they will run into at home and at work in the day and age in which we live? The answer is build their hope in the promises of God. Uh, name a few. He's with you always. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Amen? He'll never turn his back on you. Amen? I mean, on and on and on and on and on we could go, right? Encourage each other in the promises of God. Love grows on the taproot of belief in the promises of God. 
So we've got a takeaway here today in closing. The target of our exhortation. Look finally at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Take care, brothers. Once again, brothers, amen? We're talking family, right? Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart. What have we been talking about? Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Said. So, you know, people have asked for years, if I have a real relationship with God, can I fall away from him? Read the Word of God and find out for yourself. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart lending you to fall, leading you to fall away from the living God. In verse 13, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, amen, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You say, but brother, I've heard you say those words today. Yes, I got them from the Bible. I got them from the Bible. God gave them to me. He, he, he threw them out there and he impressed them upon me from his word. Amen? So I talk about them and people can say, well, where'd you get that from? Well, I got it from the Bible right here. So an expanded translation of this is, take care, brethren, lest there be in you an evil, unbelieving heart, literally an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief, which, if you disconnect yourself from the family you're susceptible to, an evil, unbelieving heart. You know, you know it, it goes something like this. You know, people get disconnected a little bit, and, and you know, they're, they're home. They're not, they're not really communicating with the family. And then they, they know, you know, sometimes you need to get back to church. But instead, they began to point at the faults of everybody else in the church it's my fault it becomes my fault it becomes your fault because we're here we didn't go anywhere right we have to be evil we've got to be wrong we've got to be out of kilter so that they have an excuse not to come back and be with us when you know what there are things wrong with us and we need them as much as they need us but they got to get back here or we got to reach out to them and snatch them amen they got to get back here so we can have connectivity, you know, even if it's only for a few minutes a week. Or it's by, uh, there are people that have no business being in a room full of people right now. You hear me? There are folks, that have no, and you know what? We support that. You know, stay safe. Be protected. If you need to stay home, stay home. You have our love. Let's reach out to them. Hey, I just want to let you know, I know, I know, you know, I support what you're doing, but I want to know I love you, and I miss being with you. And as soon as this thing is over, let's get together. You know, amen? Connectivity, right? So, I want to read it one more time. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Notice carefully, the target of our exhorting one another is twofold. One, verse 12. Because of an evil heart of unbelief, we should do all we can to help each other battle unbelief in our heart, right? It is evil, and it can lead us to fall away from the living God. Secondly, in verse 13, it says, The target of our exhorting is the deceitfulness of sin, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, as it says. The relationship between these two is clear. 
A heart of unbelief gives rise to sin. And sin is the opposite of love. And if you don't understand what I just said, you haven't been paying attention to the scriptures I read you. Say, so, well, no, I think, brother, the opposite of love is hate. No, the opposite of love is more than one word. The opposite of love is sin. And, and, and so, our basic agenda is clear. We must help each other battle unbelief. We must help each other fight the fight of faith. None of us is above the need. I certainly need it. I need it. I stand here and tell you, it's an honor and a privilege to expound the Word of God to you, but I don't talk about things up here that I don't need. Amen? And if I've ever failed in my effort to let you know that, I was wrong. I need you to forgive me and keep praying for me. Amen? And I'm praying for you. Say, Brother Dennis, this isn't the sermon you told us you're going to preach next week. I can't help that. If the Holy Ghost says to do something different, I'm going to do something different. Amen? We are moving into a transition time again in the middle of a COVID virus, and we don't know exactly what form that's going to take. This sermon covers all that. It doesn't matter anymore what turn it takes. It doesn't matter what rules they come up with. As long as they don't ask us to violate our faith or come against the Word of God, I'm going, with God's help, try to endeavor to abide by the rules. Okay? I don't think God wants me to be rebellious for the sake of rebellion. He just wants me to take a stand when I'm supposed to take a stand. Right? And I know this fellowship is with me, and I appreciate that. I love you, and I know you love me and Ruthie, and I know you're praying for me. Ruth and I are greatly praying for you. Amen? Are you worshiping God? I got to ask you. So, you're like that person in that first Pentecostal meeting I went to where I told my mom, I'm never going back. This guy raised his hand. Nobody recognized him, so he raised the other hand. No one ever recognized him. I'm recognizing you now, sister. You have a question. Praise God. Praise God. To all those that are listening to us around the world, God bless you. We're going back to family mode. Thank you.